Hello and welcome to Foothill Christian American Canyon. We're glad you joined us today and we sincerely hope that you're blessed with today's message. So the question I want to ask you this morning as we start and continue our series on I Have Decided, question I want to ask you, what does it mean to follow Jesus? As I, as I ask that, for some of you it may mean different things, but I want to, I want to read from Mark chapter 8, so if you have your Bibles, you can begin to turn there, but what does it mean to follow Jesus? Some gave all, amen? Some have given all, and, and that's a serious price to pay for serving the Lord, amen? In fact, how many of you know that all of the disciples, except for John, gave up their life as martyrs? All of them were martyred, all of them for their faith in Christ. Aren't you thankful that we don't have to face that today? Amen? Mark chapter 8, and I'll invite you to stand as we read these verses, 27 through 34. Mark chapter 8, 27 through 34, and I'm going to be reading out of the NIV. And it says the following, Jesus and his disciples went on to the village around Caesarea Philippi. And I'm just going to stop there. I was there in Israel few years ago, and Caesarea Philippi was a pagan town. They had a temple that was dedicated to the god Pan. And so Jesus, see, Jesus was the greatest illustrator of all. You know, I, I like to use illustrations up here, but Jesus was the greatest. He walked right in the middle of this area, a pagan city, to show his disciples a lesson, to illustrate something. So let's, let's keep that in mind as we read this. On the way, he asked them, who do people say I am? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? And Peter answered, you are the Messiah. And Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. And verse 31 he then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Crazy, isn't that? Verse 33, but when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan. He said, you do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Your word, which endures forever, I pray right now that it would bring anointing this morning, understanding to our spirits, our minds, Lord, that we would be able to receive it, perceive it, and Father, that we would be able to also act upon it. So Lord, I pray God, help us always to be doers of your word, not just hearers only. And Father, we thank you for your word in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. 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 You may be seated this morning. Amen. There's a lot going on in that verse there, or those few verses. And I just always reflect back when I was at Caesarea Philippi, it's a beautiful, actual beautiful place, peaceful place. 
there's rivers flowing, a waterfall, and there's nice, beautiful waters flowing through there. But there, were, there was a temple, an actual temple to this god Pan. And it wasn't just one god. There were many gods in Greek mythology at, at that time that they supported or that they worshipped. And you can still see to this day the empty, hollowed-out places where the statues actually resided of their gods. And it was really amazing to actually see that. And so Jesus is in the middle of this asking them, who do you say that I am? Who do people say that I am? And then ultimately, here's the thing. It doesn't matter what people say. What do you say? That's what Jesus wants to hear from all of us. Amen. Have you decided or are you still letting, allowing people to dictate to you who Jesus is? Jesus wants you to answer that. Amen. Amen. Now, the other thing we learn from there too, what Jesus is saying is that if you're truly a disciple of Jesus Christ, you will be more concerned about the things of God than the things pertaining to yourself. Now, that's a hard thing to do in this country. How many know that? Why? Because we're a very selfish country. It's all about me, 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 me. Everybody say me. me. That's the world we live in. That's not God's world though. That's not God's dynamic. God's dynamic is others first. Amen. It's, it's God first, then ourselves. Amen. Then your spouse, then your children, then on and on and on. You put God first. Amen. See, I want to, and I want to take you to another scripture here, which ties into that one found in, in Luke. So the next gospel after Mark is Luke chapter nine, Luke chapter nine. And it's actually our scripture verse that we read earlier. One solitary verse, Mark, or excuse me, Luke chapter 9 and verse 23. And it says the following. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Now, what do you suppose he's saying there? Does he want you to pick up a wooden cross every day of your life? Is he saying that? Does he want you to wear a cross every day? I mean, there's nothing wrong with wearing a cross, but is that what he's saying? No, no. no. Here, back with, in the Roman time period here, a cross was a sign of submission. They would make as they made Jesus carry his cross. It's a sign of submission to the Roman government is what it was. You were submitting to the will of Rome by having to carry that cross so Jesus is really saying that we have to be submitted. Our will has to be submitted to his will. Amen. And, and it's not until we do that, that we really begin to experience God's true blessing in our life. Amen. How many have seen that in their life? And, and, and having said that, I look around here and we've got quite a few families missing today, but I recognize that we're all on different levels. All of us. We're all different levels. Amen. All of us, some of us are, 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 are just learning about the gospel. Some of us have been doing this for many years, all your life. How many were raised in church? Raise your hand. See, some of you have experienced this over and over and over. Others, I wasn't raised in church like this, so it's newer to us. Amen? And, and we're all on different levels. But that's not a bad thing. God works with you wherever you're at. Can I get an amen? Amen? You know... I was just, uh, and I'll share an example of that. Recently, I was counseling someone, and um, 
But they came over, and so I have my office, and we start talking. It was just me and, and this person. You don't know this person, and doesn't even go to our church. So I started counseling to him, uh, counseling him, and in that process, all of a sudden, this—he's a believer—but all of a sudden, all this foul language started coming out, right? And we were just in the middle of a counseling. And I'm like, okay, right? And hey, there's nothing wrong with that. God wants you to be transparent, amen. He wants you to be transparent. I'm not going to judge him because of that, but he was just hurting. He was hurting, amen? And we're all on different levels. That person at that time didn't understand, or maybe he's still a little immature to know that we don't need to use foul language to express a point. But sometimes when you're hurt, people say hurtful things, right? Hurting people say hurtful things. We also say dumb things, amen? If you don't believe me, just turn on your social media, whatever that may be, and you'll see a bunch of dumb things, amen? But just because they don't think like me or on maybe the same level as me doesn't mean that God doesn't accept them, amen? What I'm trying to say is we shouldn't judge people how they come across, amen? God is the judge, God is the judge, and I can't emphasize that enough. It's, it's, we're just to obey God, and His Holy Spirit is to judge others. Amen? Amen? And so sometimes you'll see people that don't speak like you, that don't talk like you, that don't necessarily fit in that little square box, but that's okay. That's okay. God's still working on them just like He's working on you. Amen? There is no perfect Christian cookie-cutter Christian. Amen? We're all different. If, if you don't believe me, take a look around. We're all different. All of us are on different levels of maturity, but that's what makes the church what the church is today. The church is the body of believers. Here and in every church represented in this city today, throughout our county, throughout the, the state, throughout our country, throughout the world. It's made up of, of ethnicities that are so different from you and I, from languages that are so different than you and I. It's, it's very different, amen? But Jesus is talking to all of us here, and he's trying to tell us that we need to be patient with people here. In that lesson here, he tells us in Luke how he scolds Peter. You see how he said, I rebuke you, Satan. Was Peter Satan? No. What was that? It was the spirit behind that. He recognized the Lord said, that's the spirit of Satan trying to creep in and, 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 and insert your will here. And he rebuked them right away. Sometimes we have to come up to somebody and say, I rebuke you, Satan, from the pit of hell. You go back to it in the name of Jesus. Sometimes you need to do that. Amen. Amen? Sometimes people get out of step and you have to correct them. That's the pastor's job in the church. But you may come across that in your life where you have to rebuke somebody. That somebody may be a relative and you have to set them straight. Amen? Ever had to do that? Ever had to set them straight? All of us have had a conversation like that at some point with somebody. And, and Jesus was telling him, look, Peter, it's not your will. You have to be submitted to my will. It's, it's that word. Everybody say submission. Submission. Ooh, it even hurts to say it, doesn't it? Submission. Some of you are going, yeah, yeah, that, that, that word hurts. And, and while that's a biblical word, it takes sacrifice. 
It's sacrifice on your part. And when God sees you sacrificing, when he sees you submitting, look out, world, you're a powerful agent in the kingdom of God when you're willing to submit to him. Amen? What Jesus was saying here is, number one, he's saying three things real quick. Deny yourself, saying, I got to push my needs aside. Deny myself. Take up my cross. Submit to the Lord. And number three, follow him. Follow him. It's not just good to, to look at him, hear him, and walk away. Jesus is not satisfied with that, nor should we be satisfied with just listening to his words. But we have to deny ourselves, take, take up our cross, and then begin to follow him. That's the only way you're going to grow in your relationship. Amen? Now, all of you, I don't know how, how you all came to Christ. Some of you were raised in this. So in some sense, you didn't have a choice because that's what your mom and dad taught you, right? Or your grandma taught you or your grandpa taught you. Some of you have come because it was a choice. Like when I first came to the Lord, it, it just sounded so good. It sounded so appealing. It sounded like, oh, I can leave all this and have this? Oh, show me the way. And, and I, I was leaving heartbreak and heartache for promises of goodness and favor, forgiveness of sin. I mean, sign me up. I was all ready for that. Amen. And so some of us, we've heard of his goodness, and that's what's caused you to become believers, to have a better life in Christ. Amen. But to follow Christ means that you're more interested in God's concerns than your own. To follow Christ means that you're more interested in God's concerns than your own. It's setting aside your selfish nature, setting aside your desires for the desires of Christ. So this morning, as we continue this series, I want to talk to you about five quick points. Everybody say five quick points. points. Very good. Here's the first thing. What brought you to Jesus? What brought you to Jesus? Think about that as you, as you, and some of you as adults, you may have been raised in it, but there comes a point where you had to rededicate yourself because mom and dad can only take you so far and then it becomes real where you have to begin to do this yourself. You have to begin to say, Lord, I want to serve you because I choose to serve you. Not because mom and dad taught me. It's because I choose to do it. Amen? Amen. So, what brought you to Jesus? Well, in, in those texts that we just read, in the text we just read, the crowd brought you to Jesus. You came and you saw. Let me give you an example. When I belong to another church, we had this play. How many have ever heard of this uh, drama called Heaven's Gates and Hell's Flames? You ever heard of that drama? Back in the late 80s? No, late 90s. Late 90s, it was really popular in the Christian world. Um, and I know here, especially in Northern California, various churches were hosting this play called Heaven's Gates and Hell's Flames. And in this particular church where I was at at that time, there were hundreds and thousands coming to know the Lord through that drama over a, a two-week period. And so, number one, the crowd, you come and see and you're there with the crowd. What's going on? What's going on? I want to see. I want to check this out. I heard about this. I heard about this man, Jesus. I heard about um, Wayne, how his life got transformed, and Irene's life got transformed, and they were never churchgoers, and now I see them going to church. What's going on? You become inquisitive, right? How many were there? You, you went to church because you were curious. You were just curious. You wanted to see what was going on. 
you know, during that process as you come, I remember the first time I went to church, because I wasn't raised in church, saw these bunch of people worshiping God and just raising their hands, and I thought, man, that's strange. That's strange. But yet, I could go to a 49er game and raise my hands when they scored a touchdown with no problem. I could raise my hands at the Giants game when Buster Posey hit a home run or when they won three championships in the last six, seven years, right, with no problem. But yet I couldn't do that in the house of God. I thought that was strange. No, let's flip that around. God thinks it's strange when we're doing that at the football game, right? But we can't do it in the house of God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Just as a side note, we were at the Giants game Friday night with my daughters, me and my daughters and some other people from our Napa church. And some of them were standing up and shouting and going off and I was telling the pastor there from the apertures, they better be standing and shouting on Sunday morning. That's what I told him. They better be standing and shouting on Sunday morning. And he goes, you're right. And so he started telling, you better be standing and shouting on Sunday morning. Because if you can stand and shout for Buster Posey and Hunter Pence, you better stand and shout for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Amen. 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 So the crowd attracts us. We come and see what, the, what, what it's all about. Number two, then we see this fellowship, this congregation. You, you see, hopefully, when you walk in through these doors, if it's your first time ever, you walk in through these doors and you feel a bond. You feel something here. You feel something. And that's, that's the congregation. That's the fellowship. And, and you're, you're very curious. Like, wow, this is, this is cool. This is nice. Well, it's not because of us. It's because we allow God to culture that, to, to, to create that atmosphere. Amen? Right. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. See, we need to move from the crowd to the congregation and now begin involved. So step one is, okay, let me come and see what's going on. Step two is now you're part of the crowd and now you're watching, but now you're wanting to get involved. That's the second thing that the Lord wants you to do is plug right in. Plug right in. Amen. We need to move from just seeing now and attending and be doers and be actively involved. Amen. Yes. We, we offer this trail series and I need to offer the next step in that. I've just been waiting for some more people to, to sign up. But it's Trails 1000 is the first one, which is the membership class. And then we have Trails 2000, which is the four habits of a mature believer. And we have up to Trails 4000. The next one is 2,000 that we're going to be offering here real soon. But those are the steps that we need to attend. Bible studies on Wednesday nights, we need to attend. Uh, If we have a prayer night, we need to attend those. Amen? Amen. Part of getting getting involved means you're making it your church. Have, Have you sensed that? It's your church. You know when you first came to church and you told somebody, Hey, what are you doing uh Sunday morning, let's go down to San Francisco. It's going to be a beautiful day out by the bay. We'll go get a bowl of clam chowder, and uh, we'll walk along the pier. Oh, I'm going to, um, I'm going to um, my friend uh, Wayne's church. See, it's his church. But once you come and once you're connected, it's now your church. Have you noticed that when people say, oh, that church? There's only two reasons people say that or your church. Only two reasons. Because it's not yet your church. You're not connected. You're just a visitor. And the second time is because you're fed up with it. It's that church. It's, that's your church. Not my church. Right? Have you heard people say that, unfortunately? This is your church. Amen? Church. This is your church. This is our church. Amen? Amen. 
So again, part of getting involved means that you're making it your church. This is your church. If you don't see a small group that you want to connect with, well then start your own. Seriously, start it. You got a great idea? Start it. I will back you 100%. I will give you whatever you need to make it happen. Amen? Amen. Amen. Have you found an area to be involved in? Amen? That's what I want to challenge you with. That's the third step, finding. So, so now you've come and seen. Now you're part of the congregation. The third step is being connected. What can I do now? What can I do? Where can I be plugged in? That's up to each of you. Pastor Rick can't force you to do anything you don't want to do. God can't force you to do anything you don't want to do. Do you know that God is the extreme ultimate gentleman? God is a gentleman. Amen? Amen. How many gentlemen we have out here? Raise your hand if you're a gentleman. You should, men, you should all raise your hand. Come on now. Women, if, you, if your man didn't raise your hand, elbow them right now. <laughs> you're a gentleman. Amen? God is the extreme ultimate gentleman. He will never force you to do anything against your will. But he wants you to connect. Why? Because then you grow. You grow spiritually. We grow as a body with your helps. Every one of you have giftings. How many know that? Every one of you have giftings. Some of you, I don't think, know yet or haven't recognized what those giftings are. And ultimately, in a small group, they stand out. They shine. And if you're ever wanting to do a small group but you don't know how, come and see me. I'll help you. I'll start that process. I'll get that ball rolling. Amen? Yes. Amen. I want to, so, so that's point number three. And continuing with that, get involved in a group. Start your own group. Help others in that group, grow in their faith. That's what I love about Wednesday night Bible studies. That's what I love about any small group. You're encouraging each other, not just the leader or the person facilitating it, but anybody in that group you can pray for that person next to you. You can encourage that person. Uh, you know, we have a, an old adage in our small groups. What's said there stays there. You don't take it out of there. It's what's said there, it stays there. So, for example, if there are prayer requests, petitions made, it stays there. You honor that, respect that. But at the same time, you can encourage somebody there. That's why we can be open and transparent. And we can share things that maybe in, a, in an open setting like this would be very difficult. How many know what I'm talking about? A small group offers us that availability. Amen? So get involved. Start your group. Help others grow in their faith. And try to be faithful in your attendance. Amen? And then fourth, fourth is come and serve. And what I mean by that is be part of the church everywhere you go. You tell people about your church. You tell them about your church. Not just so that our, our numbers can grow here. That's part of it too. We want to reach people that have never heard the gospel. We want people that have never heard the gospel to come in here to afford them that opportunity. Amen? Amen. We want them to know you need to tell them how much you like your church. How much you love your church. Amen? Yeah. Our job is ultimately to serve others. And that's what we do by serving. That that. Food spread that you see out there, for those of you that are new here, that's every Sunday. We don't ask anybody to bring anything. They just bring it. it. All of a sudden, I look back there, and it's a table full of stuff every Sunday. Every Sunday. Even when Wayne and Irene aren't here, that table's full of stuff. 
And uh, they just give us a heads up because they're the big hospitable people in our, in our congregation. When we get the heads up, everybody kind of steps up and makes up for them. Amen. But we have to be willing to serve each other. Amen. If we serve, it makes us better people. Yes. It makes us better people. Have you ever seen a selfish little two-year-old, three-year-old? There's nothing worse than that, right? It's all about them. It's all about them. And they don't have to be two. They can be 22. They can be 32. They can be 52. We can be really selfish at times. And there's nothing worse than that. God wants you and I to effectively be servants in the church. Amen. By doing that, you serve and help the congregation. But you become a better person because of that. Amen. Our fifth point, and I told you I was going to go through these real quick, is commissioned, come and die. Come and die. Now, I'm not talking about taking any Kool-Aid or anything like that. Okay, don't worry. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about what Jesus said is about denying yourself, taking up the cross. It means dying to ourselves, submitting 100%. When you submit, can you submit 50%? Can you submit 75%? No, it's 100% or nothing or nada. 100%. You have to be willing to submit 100%. And what the Lord is telling us is come and die. See, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians that we are new creations. We rise up as new creations. Amen. When you accept the Lord, when you, were, when you come out of the waters of baptism, that's what it represents. Dying to the old self coming up as a new person in Christ, yes. amen? Yes. And, and not walking forward in that, in that path. And that's what he wants for us. He wants to, us to come and die to our old self, bury those old feelings of anger, of unforgiveness, of bitterness, and say, Lord, I need you right now. I need your help. I need you to help me with this because I can't do it. Uh, I'm 22, I'm 32, I'm 42, whatever it is, and I haven't been able to deal with this all my life. Help me to do this. And he's saying, well, come and die. Die. Die to yourself. Let it go and and let me take care of you. Amen? And and what that means is I'm giving my life for the rest of my life to serve him. I'm giving my life for the rest of my life to serve him. You think I can go wrong with that? No. A hundred percent. It's a money-back guarantee, amen? If there was ever a money-back guarantee, it's that one right there. I'm going to serve Him all the days of my life. How many here have decided, amen? You've decided? Amen, amen. I'm going to be the godly person that He's called me to be. You know, the Bible does mention these words of righteousness and holiness. And here's the thing. You and I don't have any stinking righteousness or holiness in us. How many know that? We don't. The Bible says that none of us have righteousness. None of us are righteous. But only through Christ can we achieve or have righteousness in us. Amen? Because our good acts, the Bible says in the King James, comes up as filthy rags before him. Ever had filthy rags? Anybody do any work in your garage? Ever have filthy rags? You get rid of them. You get rid of them. You know, when they're that filthy, you get rid of them. And the Lord doesn't want to have filthy rags coming up to him. He wants to have new, clean, forgiven people. Amen? Coming before him. Amen? See, we got to be the godly person that he's called us to be. That means representing Christ wherever you're at. In the job place. 
tomorrow. Yes. If you're looking for a job, pray that when you go knocking on doors, that you represent Christ where you go, and that the favor of God would be upon you. Amen? Amen. Representing God wherever you go. You need to be the salt and light wherever you go. You are the salt and light. You give this world flavor. You, you shine out your light. The gospel of Jesus Christ, forgiveness of Christ, shines out through you. People should see the difference in you. I often, I'll make trips from my work. And there's this place I go to in the past. It's Southern California. Um, past few years has been up to Oregon. But through my workplace, um, I meet other people uh, in this production facility. Um, and at any rate, you'll meet people. And have you ever noticed that some people stand out like, that, I think that person's a believer. You ever had that feeling when you don't know them and you just, you just have a one-minute conversation with them and you're thinking, that person's a believer. And, and that happens to me all the time. And I'll go up to them and say, you're a believer, aren't you? And they look at me and smile and they say, yes, how did you know that? I could tell. It's that kindred spirit, right? We can tell because we're related to them. They're our relative, amen? They're our relative. And we can sense that. We can tell that. Amen. We need to be the salt and light wherever you go. And then finally, as I'm getting ready to close here, die to yourself, carry that cross, and follow Jesus Christ wherever you go. Amen. Are you willing, willing to do that on a daily basis? I'm not just talking about on Sunday mornings or Wednesday nights when we have Bible study. I'm talking about every single day of your life. Are you willing to just throw it down, cast every burden down and say, Lord, I have decided to follow you. I have decided to follow you. See, when we come and die, this is only for those that have decided. Only for those that have decided to follow Jesus. It's not for those that are still contemplating, well, when, when my bank account gets a little bit better, when, when, I, when I get my car fixed, when I find that better house, when my children start talking to me. No, it's none of that. See, you're never going to have any of that. God, what God wants to give you is the best deal in life. Amen. That's eternal life. Amen? Yes. There's nothing better than that. When you have eternal life, God begins to pour out blessings on you in relationships, in your house, in job prospects. How do I know? Because I've experienced that. I've seen you experience that. Amen? Amen. But it starts with you being submitted and saying, Lord, I have decided there's no turning back. I'm not going to be wishy-washy about it this time. I have made up my mind and I'm going to follow you all the days of my life. Amen? Have you decided today? See, the Lord, the Lord wants you to really possibly mean that today for the first time in your life. I think some of, there might be some of you here today that up to this point have been more concerned about your concerns, your issues, than God's concerns in your life. That's a whole different way of thinking. It's a whole identity change in a way. You have to begin to think on the things of God, amen? And it only comes by dying to self, by saying, Lord, I have made up my mind, amen? I want you to make up your mind this morning. And that's between you and God. Again, Pastor Rick can't, can't force you to do anything. All I want is the very best for each of you, amen? I want you to grow 
prosper in Him, in the Lord Jesus. I want you to have all that He has promised you. The only way you can be the recipient to all these blessings, all these promises, is if you've decided. If you haven't decided all these hundreds and thousands of promises in God's Word, you can't have them. You can't, they're not available. The bank's closed. No key. But when you have decided, all these now become available to you. Amen? Again, we're all at different levels in our Christian walk. All of us here, we're different levels. And that's great. That's fine. It'd be terrible if we were all on the same level. We'd always be bumping heads and getting angry with each other, right? You ever met somebody that's just like you? Bump heads with them. We are to embrace each other for our differences and our differences in how we see things. We're to embrace each other, not argue with each other. But again, when we have Christ at the center, we can come to an agreement. Amen? Amen. Amen. If we all come, commit, serve, and become part of the body of Christ, we can learn to grow. We can become the believer that the Lord wants us to become. How many want to do that this morning? Amen? Amen, amen. Let's, let's bow our heads this morning. I want to pray for you this morning. And I want to be able to make sure that you leave here today that you know in your heart that you have decided. So, Father God, we come before you this morning. Lord, it is a great privilege to be in the house of God. Number one, it's our great privilege. It's my great privilege, Lord, to be able to declare your word. And, Lord, to be able to just share it. Father, I never take that lightly. As for me and my house, Lord, we have decided, we have decided, Lord, to follow you all the days of of our life. And as for me, I, I know all the days of my life, I will follow you. Wherever you lead, Lord, I will follow. Wherever you lead. But Lord, this morning, I, I pray that you would speak to every person that's listening to my voice. And even later, those that would listen to this on the internet, Father, if there's someone here that has not yet fully decided to put it all in, to go in 100%, if they've not decided, Lord, speak to that person right now. And I pray, God, that you would remind them there is nothing greater than to be all in and serve you and to follow Jesus. Right now, Jesus, speak to them. In the name of Jesus, speak to them, Lord, right now. And with every head bowed this morning, if that's you, I want to pray for you. If, if somebody here wants to be all in, 100% in, maybe you were at 50%, maybe you were 25%, maybe you were 75%, maybe you were 90%, but you want to be 100% in, just raise your hand this morning. I'm going to be praying for you. I'll be praying for you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Lord. See your hands. I also want to say this prayer right now. I could never pass up the opportunity to be able to share the, the sinner's prayer with you again. If you'll say this prayer, mean it with all your heart. It comes out of the Word of God. It really does. See, God honors what comes out of your lips when you mean it with all of your heart. And so if you'll say this prayer this morning, what He wants to do is forgive you of your sins. Maybe you've been saved, but you're asking God, Lord, restore me again to that place where I used to be. 
Restore me and bring me back to that place where I know I need to be so that I can come and grow and be that person you want me to be. Let's pray that prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, I come before you. Lord, I am a sinner. I have failed. I come short of the glory of God. I pray that you forgive me right now for every wrongdoing, every sin in my life. I receive your forgiveness right now. I thank you for sending your son to die on that cross for me that I would have eternal life. Thank you, Jesus, for rising again on the third day and giving me victory over death, hell, and the grave. Thank you, Jesus. I love you, Lord. I have decided to follow you from this day forward. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Give him a hand clap this morning, amen. Lord, you are worthy of our praise. Lord, you're worthy of our praise.